Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the fourth Saturday of April, April 23rd, 2022. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted, treasured individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, who serves as our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, who serves as our music minister, Sister Greta Ayers, who will provide the invitation to discipleship after the preached word. Pastor Billison Black will give our altar prayer today, the preached word and announcements. And I am Sharon Taylor, and I will serve as your worship leader today in Elder Cunningham's absence. Please remember to pray for Refuge from the Storm Church and members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, targeted treasured individuals worldwide, advocacy and activist groups, those who are in countries torn by war and under dictatorial regimes, children and the elderly. Thank you for your attention. We will now have an opening song. After the opening song, I will return with today's invocation. Amen. Amazing grace. We'll hear more about that today. Good afternoon again. I give honor to God our Father and to Jesus my Savior and to the precious Holy Spirit, our teacher, our intercessor, our helper, and on and on we are totally dependent on the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the absence of Jesus Christ in the earth. I also thank each of you for your presence and I join Sister Sharon in giving you a hearty and a heartfelt welcome to our service this evening. It is always appropriate to say thank you to the ministry team. That's those who serve with me each week to bring 
to you the services <clears throat> as we pray and worship together. I wouldn't be fooling myself to think or to pretend that all that goes on throughout the events of this church in any given week was done with, by, my, by me alone. I have lots of help. And then there, it, there are all of the business activities that is carried out by Sister Sharon and our wonderful, uh, beautiful website that is managed by Sister Cheryl. There is Brother Bob who manages both the Zoom and the TalkShoe uh, communication connections and Sister Helena who takes care of our music and then the others who were read that are usually on our program each week Sister uh, Greta and Elder Carolyn so you see those were a lot of names and and none of them were mine and so lots of people work together because of our love for Christ to bring services to the targeted treasured community each week. Also, we have an advisory board. Don't want you to think that we're out here doing our own thing any way we want to. We like accountability and that means we have an advisory board. Those who are not members of the church but in the Christian community who serve to give us advice and to share with us of their wisdom and knowledge from God that we might carry out the business of the church in a proper and effective manner. We are very grateful to them also for all of their assistance, their time, their effort they give to us and we are so thankful. Now we live all across the United States from California to Maryland from Washington State to Middle Tennessee, from Delaware to Texas, Ohio, even into Canada. And you would not know that we are working together by God's grace, there's that word, grace, through a conference call. Our scripture reading this evening is coming from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10, a familiar passage, one that is loved, one that is preached often, one that I have, uh, have tackled more than once, but today it just seems necessary. And I do want to share with you that from time to time, I am led back to some of the old messages that I maybe shared during the early years of the church existence, not because I've exhausted all the scriptures in the Bible, but because some of them which were directed specifically to us and the struggle that we deal with have not been heard by some of you and the word is relevant to all of us so i may end up changing it around some or making some <clears throat> adding some new things but it's not i'm not being lazy when that happens it really is necessary as it is today so the reading of the scripture is thus, therefore to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, 
my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness so i will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of christ may dwell in me therefore i am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for the sake of christ for whenever i am weak then I am strong. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the example of the lives of the apostles and the prophets, Lord. We thank you, O oh God, that you have proven the integrity of your word over and over and over again. So, Father, as we embark upon this journey this afternoon, I pray that you would lead me in fact, in the words of the psalmist, guide me, O thy great Jehovah. For we are pilgrims in this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with your powerful hand. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So the title of the message this afternoon is The Sufficiency of God's Amazing Grace. The sufficiency of God's amazing grace. Believe it or not, each of us are operating on grace today. Grace. Last week, we celebrated the awesomeness of God's favor toward us when he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. So much happened in the spirit world that day. My attention was turned to the word grace and the promised reality of it in our salvation experience. Because Jesus came and lived and died that the world might be saved. The Apostle Paul stated to the church at Ephesus, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I have found many definitions for this word grace when I spent time doing some research. Let me tell you that it has many uses, both in the Bible and in the world. What is grace and what are some ways people have defined grace? B.B. Warfield defines grace as free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. Free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving world. John Stott says grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Now, isn't that comforting? Love that cares and stoops that means it bends down if it has to it squats down and rescues that's grace jerry bridges defines grace as god reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him now see none of these fit the old traditional definitions right that we have heard of grace, which was simply God's unmerited favor. 
But then if you want to think about how it's used today, grace is an allowance of time granted for a debtor during which he is free of at least part of his normal obligations towards the creditor. Those of us who have power bills, we our power bill is due by a certain day. And some have a grace period whereby you may still extend it, say, three days. There are, those who pay rent may find the same kind of favor, and it's called grace. The rent is due on the first day of the month, but you have till the fifth day before you're considered late. That's considered a grace period. Then grace is called a divine influence acting in a person to make the person pure, morally strong. Divine influence. That's God acting on the inside of us. For by grace are you saved through faith. So God is giving you the grace and the faith. And those are attributes that he's placing on the inside of you to help you step out and make a decision to be saved and follow Christ. Grace, divine influence, acting in a person to make the person pure and morally strong and many other things. Grace could be a short prayer or blessing or of blessing or thanksgiving that's said before or after a meal. I rarely have a, have a meal without saying grace. Uh, when I was growing up, some people called it turning thanks. Something that's, that's interesting about praying over your food, I read that that's one of the ways to detox it. In fact, the writer of this book that I was reading said you could actually put a prayer in your refrigerator and it would change the frequencies of the food in the refrigerator. Grace, God's unmerited favor, God's enormous power to change situations and circumstances in your favor. Make them turn towards you. The unmerited love and favor of God toward human beings is yet one more definition of grace. So one example of grace of this kind is letting go of a past wrong done to you the unmerited love and favor of God toward human beings we are showing undeserved love and undeserved favor of God now it's, it's it all belongs to God he just allows us to use it but we're showing it towards others I have often spoken of the fact that we as, as treasured, targeted individuals must have or extend grace to one another. This is what I mean, because we are constantly being baited to fight or take offense by this evil program. It is necessary that we learn to let things go. Some things you cannot deal with. You just have to let it go. You have to go pray about it. God says that um, you could cast your care over onto him because he cares for us. Don't even give the action or the words consideration. I'm not saying don't get clarity, 
So that means you may have to talk to that person. Did you mean what you said? Did I take that the right way? Am I misunderstanding? Did I miss something? Try and get some clarity before you allow the enemy to make you rehearse the situation or rehearse the words over and over and over in your mind because the enemy comes. Now, Jesus was very clear. The thief comes but for two, not but for two, steal, kill, and destroy. So whenever those thoughts start churning around in your mind, remember who's sending them, the one who is coming to steal your joy, kill your patience and your kindness towards your sister or your brother, maybe even kill the friendship or relationship, and to destroy that love that you have one towards another. But God in his unmerited love and favor towards others give us the ability to use that same those same emotions those that same grace towards others ourselves one of the definitions of grace is clemency i believe we could all identify with that mercy clemency means granting a person who is convicted of a criminal offense relief from a court-ordered sentence. Clemency is what Jesus gave the thief who hung on the cross at Calvary when he asked if Jesus would remember him when he entered into his Father's glory. That particular passage of Scripture reads like this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God. Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence or condemnation? He was rebuking the, the other uh, criminal who was hanging on the on, on a cross. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, He said to the world, We are punished justly, for we are receiving what our actions deserve. But this man, he was talking of Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And in, in, our, in our lifespan, in our lifetime, whether we were sinning by omission or commission, by thought, word, or deed, we deserved the punishment, the penalty. But Jesus, who did not do anything wrong, had the ability to gain us clemency then the criminals turned to jesus and said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and jesus said to him truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise now the way i saw that jesus gave that disciple both parts of what is described as clemency the first part is pardon and the second part is commutation. Pardon is when the person is exempted from any punishment or remaining punishment or future consequences due to the conviction. Now, according to the law, his future punishment or future consequences could have been a life in hell. Because without Jesus, without the remission of his sins, there was no way he could enter into heaven. 
commutation which reduces the sentence in part or in full. Jesus com com commuted his sentence, meaning whatever he was to have gotten on the other side. Remember when, when Jesus comes into the picture at, at his death and since his death, we're dealing with spiritual issues. The man was no longer considered guilty. Death would not be allowed to hold him in the grave. And he would not be kept from an eternal presence in the Father's glory. So with this man who was sentenced to die beside Jesus on that fateful Friday, the earthly court awarded death without parole or commutation. However, the king of kings who was hanging beside him was able to take care of the sentence in heaven. And this malefactor was receiving pardon right before the world as you and I do on a daily basis. All day, every day, y'all, we are tricked. We are blindsided. We are hypnotized. We are put to sleep. In some way, form, shape, or fashion, we are made to, in what the perpetrators would describe, is violate the law. Whether we do or not, they are busy trying to make people believe that what they said is true. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, reminding God the Father of what happened that Friday at Calvary. Reminding him of the fact that we were given pardon and our sentence was commuted, even if we did do it. But I'm going to give you a, a good little little, little uh, tidbit here. God saw who really did it. And he knows how to give the right person the right sentence. He said their mischief will turn on them. They'll get caught in their own trap fall in their own ditches and get caught in their own nets. God knows how to help us and to save us. So the scripture reminds us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now today's text focuses on the determination of Paul to live a life of victory in spite of what he was called to endure. Our attention is called to verses 7 through 10, which reads, I, I, which I read earlier. But I'll remind you that Paul says to keep me from being too elated, too puffed up, too beside myself, too full of myself. A thorn was given me in the flesh. That means something was happening to Paul in his flesh. I don't mean like a rose bush. You touch, you know how you touch a rose and roses have thorns and that thorn might get in your finger. And sometimes they're hard to get out. Sometimes they fester and cause pus until you do get them out. No, I'm not talking about that. A thorn can be anything that causes you distress. Have you ever had something get in your eye? And it hurt like everything, but you couldn't see what it was. Thank God for when you actually finally found that hair that was sometimes down in the eyelid. But it caused a lot of pain, that little bitty hair. But a thorn can be anything that causes you distress. 
And Paul called this thorn a messenger of Satan, whose job was to torment him and to keep him from being too puffed up, too full of himself. Paul was constantly being reminded if he wanted to point his finger at those sinners who couldn't do anything right there but by the grace of God. Grace, y'all. G-R-A-C-E. God's remedy at Christ's expense. Go I. So three times Paul says, I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul got a better understanding. He said, so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now I was pointed back to chapter 11 to gain better understanding of what Paul was saying here. And what I saw was Paul in the in the region of Corinth it was a large metropolis where before the gospel message came these folk lived any kind of way they had lots of sin sexual sins idolatry they did anything and everything you could think of and there was no law against it but once once the word came and the Holy Spirit came, could you see the word never comes without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has to take over once the word gets in. Then the Holy Spirit begins to convict and change hearts and minds so that people want to live according to the word of God. Well, Paul was causing the whole town, the whole region, a lot of trouble because people were believing the gospel. And once the people began to believe the gospel, they began to change. Well, essentially, we could say Satan had full reign of Corinth. But when the church came, Satan began to lose his grips over the lives of the people. For they began to turn and follow Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, during his conversion, had already been warned of what things he was going to have to suffer for the word, for the word's sake. Paul was always quick to tell us about his pedigree and what family he was born into and how he was raised and what benefits he had as a result of having a father who was considered in the upper echelon of society, though they lived in Rome. But the Apostle Paul, who started as one of the Christ, uh, one of Christianity's mozillious enemies, was handpicked by Jesus Christ to become the gospel's most ardent messenger. We've all heard of his conversion story. We've heard of how he actually used to get letters to persecute the Christians and not just to hunt them, but to persecute them and to see them stoned. For he was at the stoning of Stephen. But then he met Jesus. Jesus con convicted one Saul, which was his original name, and turned him into Paul. 
the one who would carry the gospel right three-quarters, I believe, certainly two-thirds of the New Testament, more books than any other apostle, and saw many people be saved, though some of them, most of them, sounds like he only wrote them letters of how to follow Christ. Paul had a brilliant mind, a commanding knowledge of philosophy and religion, and could debate with the most educated scholars of his day. Jack Zaveda writes, tradition portrays Paul as a physically small man, but he endured enormous physical hardships on his missionary journeys. His perseverance in the face of danger and persecution has inspired countless missionaries since. Now, I don't know if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you would raise your hands and say, when you became a Christian, you raised your hand and said, I'll become a missionary for Christ. As you began to grow as a Christian and, and become more excited about the word and came to know God and Jesus more and began to rely more on the Holy Spirit, did any of you decide to become a missionary and take the word of God anywhere? Paul was out there. Paul was carrying the good news of the gospel. He carried it mostly by ship. And these are the perils that Paul ran upon while he was trying to convince others to follow Jesus. From town to town, Paul is treated like an unwanted character and also from region to region. He was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten with rods three times. He was whipped with 39 lashes five times. Y'all keep in mind, these are things Paul used to do to the Christians. And now he's one of them and is experiencing the exact same mistreatment. He was attacked by an angry mob and threatened with death many times. When we think of hardships Paul endured, he was shipwrecked three times and floated for 24 hours. He was criticized by other Christians and under arrest two years without a trial. And then he was bitten by a viper. In spite of his hardship, Paul encouraged Timothy and he also encourages you and me today to endure hardships like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And I bring the message because we do endure hardships. We do endure persecutions. We hold on to our faith in spite of them. We make the determination to love the Lord our God with all that we are. As the persecution comes. So in the pericope today, Paul recounts a thorn in his flesh that kept him from becoming conceited over the priceless privilege God had entrusted to him. It was to remind him that, and us, that when God counts us faithful enough to share the secrets of heaven with us, we have to remember 
there is a price to pay. So in saying, for when I am weak, then I am strong, Paul was sharing one of the greatest secrets of staying faithful, absolute dependence on God. The beginning of the chapter leads us to that famous declaration about grace. Some of us call it God's remedy at Christ's expense for our sins. Some call it God's unmerited favor. These are the usual or the traditional uh definitions and yet others define grace this is the one that i like the best it's the easiest god's ability in my inability when i can not god can he's got the power paul tells us that it was jesus who answered his questions about relief from the thorn the messenger of satan if you will by saying but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness so listen to what others have said again about grace grace is the most important concept in the bible christianity and the world as we've talked about the various ways that grace is used both in the world and in the bible we see what would make it one of the most important concepts it is most clearly expressed on the promises of God revealed in scripture and embodied in Jesus Christ. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, and the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. In looking at the, at the scripture passage, I found three encouragements about the word grace is sufficient for salvation is sufficient for suffering and is sufficient for service paul found grace sufficient for his own salvation that was marked by a vision while he was on the damascus road having gotten written permission to hunt and persecute the christians and then i found it sufficient for us we are saved now we are being saved and we will be saved to inherit the kingdom of heaven the one who told us in Romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but the spirit later tells us for those whom he foreknew this is in Romans 8 29 he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within our, a large family. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, God knew us and had ordained that we would become part of his family. That's we meet today. We couldn't save ourselves, so we became recipients of God's grace, the undeserved favor His ability to help us over the ditches and over the pitfalls and around the stumbling blocks so that we would not fall into a sin for which we could not be forgiven. Grace gave us the reward of salvation just because of God's love for us. 
Paul's suffering immediately follows his salvation experience. Here grace is more sufficient and God's strength shows up all the more. Paul becomes a lone ranger of sorts because the Christians hated him. And now neither the Jews nor the Pharisees nor the Sadducees trusted him. As a pastor, Paul lived under the daily pressure because of his concern for all the churches. As a pastor, I live under daily pressures as I do indeed have concern for all of you. I have concern for those who do not belong to this church and don't, don't even visit. But they call for prayer and they call for information. And I try to give them the concern and the love of God. Paul learned that the best Christian is a Christian who can acknowledge his need and dependency on God. Grace and suffering for us means no matter what you're going through, and our messengers from Satan are creative, aren't they? God's remedy is still grace. His undeserved favor. His can when I can't. I mean can't go on another minute. Can't last another second. I've got to have some relief right now. God shows up. Grace shows up. When you can't stand the pain, the pressure, or the propaganda, God has grace for you. When your money runs out, your patience is tried, and your emotions threaten to give way to a personality that is not yours. Grace is there for you. And then Paul had grace to serve the people of God. That's found throughout the Pauline epistles as Paul becomes the most important apostle of the New Testament. And he was only led by Jesus Christ himself. There wasn't another apostle that taught him except for Ananias. That's the one. He's the one that Jesus sent Paul to to be taught and trained. In spite of his sufferings this time, due to Paul becoming a Christian, he wrote letters to every providence God sent him, and many that he did not physically visit. One time he went when he was told not to. And God allowed him to spend time under the stress and pressure of being shipwrecked. He was mobbed. Christians criticized him and false teachers challenged him while trying to destroy his ministry. He spent two years under house arrest without a trial, yet he continued writing letters to the churches who were under his care. He also wrote to encourage several of the Christians who were considered to be leaders in the Christian community like Timothy. For us, grace in service allows us to serve in a church in any capacity without grace. You would have left the board, the committee, the pulpit, the church without grace. One person told me once that the way people voice their displeasure is first they vacate the pew, then they vacate the pocketbooks, and finally they vacate the parking lot. Has that ever been you? Did you ever feel like throwing in the towel? Were it not for grace? We would never leave the house, never have friends, and surely we could not have the courage to go on. 
But God's ability shows up every time we can't. Remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember now that unto him who is able to keep you from falling. He can keep you from falling down and staying down, from falling apart when everything comes at you. And he can keep you from falling away from God. Grace. It works according to the power that is at work in you. How do you get the power in you? It comes with the Holy Spirit. It comes with the word. It comes with prayer. It comes with praise and worship. Lift up your voice. Just this morning I was listening to my YouTube and one video came on. It was an um, interview with Phil Briscoe. Phil Briscoe is a trumpet player extraordinaire. And he can play some worship music that will just, oh my goodness, cause your skin to tingle. He was on there with his new wife who was another woman that I well respect. And they were talking about the power of praise music in the earth. And and Phil Phil was saying that when you miss a day of of at least listening to praise and worship music, you can tell it. I can tell it. He said, and if you are a worshiper and you miss a day of just not spending that time in God's presence, you can really tell it. He said, you might can fool the people for a while, but you can tell it immediately because you have to work harder to get that connection. But God gives us grace to serve in whatever capacity of the church he wants us to. He gives us the capacity, the grace to stand when the world comes at us and when things come at us that may seem like we can't stand it any longer he gives us the grace to do what he said do many of us are in the worst storms of our lives some of our storms have lasted just a few years some of our lives our storms have lasted decades and i can I can wager that all of our storms have lasted too long. The storm refuses to stop. The winds keep blowing and the rain keeps falling. God wants us to know today there is grace for you. God's remedy at Christ's expense. The love that comes, the peace that comes, the joy that comes, the fruit of the spirit that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Jesus told the disciples, unless I go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But when the Holy Spirit came, he brought a basket of fruit with him and he brought it into your life and into mine. Grace kept Paul from blowing away, both physically and spiritually. It kept him from blowing up on the people he was trying to lead. Grace still keeps people who have their faith in God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.